What does being fully alive mean to you? In today's episode, I'm speaking with my friend Elvira Chang. And when I asked Elvira what being fully alive means to her, she responds that it's to be present. She shares with us a very recent personal story about how she was able to show up fully present for her mother in a situation that could have been very fear provoking. Elvira is a Gallup certified strengths coach, and we discuss how we can use our talents to show up as our best selves in any situation so that we can all be more present. Hello, my name is Mary Maduna Gross, and you're listening to Fully Alive, the podcast for conscious entrepreneurs who are hungry to live their purpose, expand their impact, and create with ease. Elvira, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Mary, for, for having me here. This is going to be such a deep conversation. I love every conversation you have and I have had so far. And because you're one of those people that I can both uh, feel validated by and challenged by. And I love that because um, it's that combination of we're on the same page. I feel connected to you. And yet you're, you're kind of pushing me to grow a little bit. And so I... Not to set any expectations here, but I wouldn't be surprised if today you also push me to grow a little bit, and I'm excited for that. That is very generous of you. I appreciate that. I, I take that as a huge compliment, so thank you very much, Mary. Good. So let's start with the title of this podcast is Fully Alive. Mm -hmm. What does being fully alive mean to you? Fully alive, and it's it's something I think I've discovered as I've gotten older and how my life has changed, mm -hmm. but it's about consistently being who we are in the moment. So like um, not having a work persona and a home persona and a, per and a relationship persona, right? Mm -hmm. That we can always be who we are and bring it and, oh, I just happen to be at work and this thing comes up, but I'm still me. I'm not still having to you know, limit myself beyond, oh, okay, these are the boundaries at work. This is who I am at work, right? So being fully alive is, I guess one of the side effects of it is the opportunity to be present. And so we're not responding in automatic pilot. You can take a moment for what it is and, and, and deal with it. And at the same time, we're not predicting the future to be the past. We're like, every moment is new. Right. So as you're saying that, I'm thinking, gosh, I mean, as a listener, right, I'm even putting myself in that place like, God, that that sounds nice, but I am already thinking about all the rules that I have or the way I see myself at work, at home, and in my personal relationships. Can you give me an example of how you know that you're being you in various roles? I have an example of just this weekend, like two days ago. Okay. Um, so my mom's almost 80. And so uh, she lives in a different state. I call every day, check in on her. And so I talked to her Sunday evening and I was like, Hey mom, where were you? I couldn't find you. And she's like, you're, you're not going to believe it. Um, if I told you and I'm like, okay, you know, where were you? And, and so she had fallen in the backyard and she couldn't get up. Oh. And so she, she was in this state for a few hours until finally she was able to call a neighbor and luckily she wasn't hurt or anything. She just didn't have the strength because she has a, an issue with her leg. She okay. didn't have the strength to get up. And I think in the past I would have freaked out. 
I think in the past it would have been like, okay, what do we need to do? Da -da 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 -da. This can never happen again. And it yeah. was one of those moments where this is going to sound crazy because I think there's going to be some listeners that are like, what are you crazy? Like you need to make sure this never happens to your mom again. It was one of those moments where at the end of the conversation, it was just like, mom, what do you want to do? Mm -hmm. You know, do you, do you want one of us to move in with you? Do you want us to move? You know, like, let's just have a conversation. She's like, no, I'm, I, don't, I don't want that. Not yet. I'm not there yet. So let's have a conversation. What are things that we can do? You know, and at the end of the conversation, she thanked me. She was like, Elvi, thank you for just having this conversation. And it wasn't, I can easily imagine like one of my siblings commanding, like, this is what's going to happen. And it, and it was just so nice to just have a conversation where we can listen to each other and be honest about what we both want. And maybe there are things we can do differently. Hmm. Yeah. So in that case, how did you show up as you and not just as a role? Does that make sense? Yeah, it, 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 I, I don't know if it was the mood I was in that day or it's just where I am in my life, but it was like, okay. I mean, by the time I'd spoken to her, she was already up. She was back in the house. She right. wasn't hurt. She was fine. She was just on the floor for a while. And she was like observing the animals and like, you know, um, she, she fell in the backyard. And so at that point she's already safe. It wasn't the urgent, you know, we need to call 911 or whatever. It's more like, okay, how is she doing as a human being? And again, I can easily imagine some of the listeners being like, how are you not crazy in this moment? And that's exactly the point. You know, it, there are moments where, you know, because my mom's older and my father's already passed away, there are moments where if I'm stressed, I get frustrated or angry or whatever. Sure. This wasn't one of those moments. She was safe. And let's really honor how she's feeling. There's a difference between extrapolating this into this is where mom's life is going versus she just fell. And this is a one time thing. Right. What is this a sign of shifts that we can do so that she remains safe? She still has the life that she wants. She still has her independence. But this doesn't happen again. Right. I'm kind of hearing, um, and, and this may, let, let's make sure we come back to that individuality piece. I don't know if this yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Is, is taking us on a bird walk, but I think it's worth this bird walk, is what I'm hearing you describe in this story is that the default response might have been to panic and um, react versus what I hear you describing is that you, there was no panic. You, you know, you didn't go into that fight or flight and narrow in on what the problem is and try to solve it. You were able to stay open to what's really happening here and then respond to that without the reactivity. Yes, because I think in the past, whether it's me or somebody else, that fear makes us want to control. And that control means I might change my life because I might want her to move in with me or I might have to move to another state to move in with her. Right. That's huge changes. Yes. But we allow the control to define what the next action is going to be. And it may create a situation that neither person wants. Right. As opposed to really what she was looking for was empathy and also the safety to be able to tell somebody because I can easily imagine my mom being like, I'm not telling my brother I fell. I'm not telling people. 
who are going to react. And then that that's worse because now that person's isolated and they're not getting the support or the help or outside perspective that they may need. Yeah. I, I think that's a really good point, demonstrating really how our own defensiveness um, prevents us from connecting with people on a very authentic level. Right, right. And so whether it's ourselves or the other person, we're creating these barriers for each of us to actually show up. And and a lot of times, and maybe it's just me and my wiring, but a lot of times I feel the word that comes up is safety, to just be able to create that safe space, to be able to say what's coming up or or to express an idea, because it sounds out of left field and how is somebody gonna react? Right. And then is this person gonna judge me or reject me based hmm. on what I'm gonna say? all those questions how are somebody going to react how am i going to be judged how am i going to be criticized like mm -hmm. just think about how quickly those variables get calculated into our behaviors mm -hmm. and we behave according to that if we're, we're just on that default mechanism when we're reacting right yet, when we're responding it sounds like those questions really don't even come into play it's not relevant that that's that's a beautiful differentiation between reacting and responding and and to me i kept looking at it as how present are we yes mm -hmm. so well, and that word present right i think a lot of us i remember the time when i had no idea what being present meant mm. uh, and i knew that i had made progress when i was able to read eckhart toll's uh, uh books and and content and say oh okay i think i finally understand what he's talking about Mm -hmm. So what do you mean when you say being present? When I'm not extrapolating forward or referencing the past, I'm just taking that moment for what it is. And I was so happy and fulfilled just from that conversation. I'm like, of course, I never want my mom to be in a position where she could get hurt. And thank God she wasn't. But even later that evening i was reflecting back on the conversation and how good i felt about it mm -hmm. because literally she's thanking me at the end of the conversation just for listening to her and for us to come up with some steps of okay these are things you can do and these are some things i'm gonna do and let's reconvene you know as to okay this doesn't happen again what a beautiful example thank you for sharing that with us thank you i um it's it's seems like it could be so small but for me relationships are huge and especially with my mom so yeah since a couple days over you know this is this has been sitting with me and it's one of those moments where i'm like this is who i want to be yes. you know despite whatever's going on in the world that i can be genuine and available for the people in my life and I just want to point out uh, that that is a beautiful example of your evidence of who you want to be. I want to point that out because I find myself even asking myself sometimes when I say, well, who do I want to be? It's like, well, what does that even mean? Mm -hmm. Who do I want to be? I don't think we have a lot of language around that. And yet we can go back to our own experience. We've had that experience. We've felt that. And for you, this is one of those experiences that you can come back to and say, yes, this is it. I nailed it here. This this is when I was really stepping into my true self and and leading with my true self, not from my stories. You know, I'm not somebody who's very 
articulate. I'm not great at words. So for me, if you were to ask me, who do you want to be? This would have never come to mind. It's only now looking back, right? Like I left my career. My dad was sick. I made sure that I was there before he, you know, spent time with him while he was in hospice and before he passed. And I want to be there for my mom. She's still, thank God, healthy. Um, and it it's in looking back and feeling those moments mm -hmm. that I get a sense of who I want to be. I don't think I could intellectually identify who I want to be. Mm. Like intellectually, I couldn't describe something that would feel as good as these moments do. I mean, these moments feel like this is the purpose of life to me. You just gave me the chills uh, on that. This is one of those you're helping me grow. Because I think that with what I just heard you say about not being able to articulate who I'm being makes perfect sense because being is, it's a state. And I don't, everything that we describe, like who do I want to be, we end up describing what I want to do or maybe what I want to feel like. But even with feelings, like feelings and our articulation, like we, we don't have the brain paths really connecting that. There, there's a gap between what our feeling experience is and what we're able to articulate. Yeah, and I think if if we could intellectually go through the exercise of describing something, then we're completely disregarding the opportunity of the magic of life showing up. Yes. Because because you know i'm i'm sorry but life and the experiences i have way outweigh anything i could have ever imagined we're we're not allowing life to to happen yeah and so i think when i've been asking myself and even my clients you know who do you want to become the gap for me is i've wanted this to be articulated I wanted to be able to say it, but I love it that you're putting it back to, it's, it's a, a felt experience, which also then I think makes this reflecting even more important because how easy would it have been for you just for you to see this as, you know, I did a good job on this call and we're kind of on to the next one. But by reflecting on the experience, you were able to put yourself in it and feel it again and know that it's real. You didn't imagine it. This isn't made up. It's real for you. Um, and maybe you have words for it. Maybe you don't, but you don't need it if you can just bring up that feeling again. Yeah. And as you're speaking about that, Mary, there are two things that come to mind to help us describe these moments. It's either memories that just stood out. And then we can go back into those moments and then try to capture, well, what is it about these moments that stood out to us? That's one thing. The other thing is, Oftentimes it's regret. It's the moments when I wish I would have handled something differently. That might give us clues as to who we wish we had been. Undoubtedly, undoubtedly. Like in, and anything that happens contrary to what our expectations or desires or whatever, there's always an opportunity, I believe, to then refine what it is that I really want. Because now I know more about what I don't want and I can use that to further refine what it is that I do want, whether that's what I want to have, whether it's due or whether it's who I want to be. Right. Yeah. Like it goes back to what you were saying. Like if you're asking somebody to articulate who do they want to be, it's often, what do I want to achieve? What do I want to have? Who do I want to know? And 
it's so seldom that we can actually imagine how we want to feel, right? Because even the things we want to have, it's, oh, because, you know, I, I don't want to have to work as hard or I don't want to, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I often thought it was because I just don't have that talent of articulating things. And it's more, I tend to be much more visual. I tend to be much more intuitive, much more about relating. And, and maybe that's why such a simple conversation just had me on such a high. Yeah. I mean, yes, I don't want my mom to get hurt, but just that she felt like the fact that she's in another state and she's like telling me like this happens that she felt safe enough. And I've had a lot of conversations with her of like, if something happens, you need to tell me because I need to deal with what is. Okay. So let's <laughs> go back to that individuality piece. Yeah. yeah. Um, we talked a little bit about, you know, getting clear on, uh, and using these experiences when we really show up as, um, kind of our evidence point of, yeah, this is who I want to become. I can feel that again, which means that I can feel it now, which means I can feel it again. How do we make it okay for us to be an individual, right? When we're talking about me showing up the same at work, at home, uh, in my relationships, at play, what else do you think that we need to be paying attention to? Well, so we started out the conversation talking about like feeling fully yeah. alive, right? And like to me, how that feels like being present. And when we talk about individuality, you know, because this individuality is the world I live in, right? And really valuing each person for who they are. The way I kick off my work, you know, so by title, I'm a Gallup certified strengths coach. So I work in Gallup's world of some people call it strengths finder. It's called Clifton strengths, starting out with this assessment that identifies people's talents. But, you know, usually talent people are thinking like, oh, like I talked about earlier, I tend to be more visual or am I more physical athletic or am I, you know, do I have a musical ear? The way Gallup defines talent is your patterns of thinking, feeling, and behaving. So, which is, which is not typically what people think of when they think of talent. So what Gallup is looking at is what are the patterns you use for organizing your thoughts or your feelings or your actions? So if we, if we bring this conversation of talent as an, as a component to talking about individuality, I'm looking at it all as wiring, right? We want to talk about wiring and pulling it back into feeling fully alive, right? I feel like our wiring what we came into this world, whether it's our talent, um, what we develop our our beliefs, what are our natural interests, what are the experiences we have, all that is in that soup of wiring. I believe my life and the experience I have with, with the people I work with is that is setting you up to live a life that is fully alive. A lot of times, you know, we're lamenting, oh, I don't have this talent, or I don't have this skill, or I don't have this ability. Or when I do this, this is how I step on myself, or this is how I don't do it like somebody else. And it's because we haven't, number one, really valued and seen ourselves for who we are, right? We're so busy comparing. But then the other thing is, we haven't created that life, we haven't created that environment where we are constantly using our talents and our natural wiring in the sweet spot. So it it sounds like what I just heard, especially at that last sentence was, if I know what those talents are, it doesn't matter which 
arena I'm playing in, my, uh, my talents are consistent. Yes. Yes. So like when you're having a conversation with your friend, when you're having a conversation with your partner, when you're having a conversation with a client, the patterns of how you're seeing what they're talking about tend to be consistent, right? Somebody might be focused on achieving the goal. Somebody might be looking at the cause of an effect of that goal. Somebody might, I might be looking at who are the players that are impacting your story and what is the in dynamics between them? Somebody else is looking at the outcome. I'm looking at who are the players because I feel the way I look at the world is that the players and the interactions between them are impacting the outcome. Right. So, so yes, that that's exactly it. Who we are. And again, going back to that wiring, going back to feeling alive, who we are in our core is consistent. It's just in different arenas of our life. Just we create the boxes of, well, no, these are the rules at work and these are the rules with a client and these are the rules at home. Mm -hmm. And so we, we create those, those boundaries that don't let us to really fully be present. Does it matter what our talents are? Um, let me, let me see how I want to say this. Are some talents easier to live with across all arenas? Or is this even a, an important question? Like you might even say, Mary, this isn't even relevant. You know what? I do believe that there are people who are going to think that's relevant because here's the thing. There are certain talents. And again, if you're using talents by Gallup's terms, I believe that there are certain talents that in a society is more valued or in business is more valued than others so for example strategic the ability to you know really manipulate abstract concepts in your mind and i don't mean manipulate in a bad way but just be able to process abstract concepts mentally right without it having to be this practical you know or ideation always coming up with new ideas or futuristic you know where are we taking this a ranger you know that's one of the ones i have where i have a tendency of where are we going okay how do i work backwards to get there what are the resources we have how can i rebalance to get us there so there are certain talents that whether it's western society business whatever it is that are valued and so maybe those people they're going to have an easier time there are other people who maybe their talents are something like empathy you know, activator, you know, there are other talents and, and, you know, on a separate conversation, we can always go into detail of what they mean, but there are certain talents that maybe aren't as valued in the workplace. Maybe they're valued more at home, like, like empathy or connectedness or belief, maybe belief. Somebody feels like, oh, that's more of like something that would be in religion. Right. And no, yes. you could believe in a vision and you can, you know, start a cause. I mean, who knows what it is, but yes, I, I, I do think it's a great question because it's one that I get are certain talents more valuable than others. No, they're all valuable. It's just that some of them, I do feel that maybe as a society are valued, but though, even the people who have those talents, they struggle right? Because then they, they feel that momentum of following the norm instead of carving their own path. So are they living society's expectations or are they fully alive? Okay. Great segue into, so what we've just talked about is what, what are my individual talents, patterns mm -hmm. of thinking, doing, and behaving? 
Um, and then what is being expected of me? And to what extent do I strive to meet external expectations versus reflecting inwardly and saying, there's who I want to be. So now I, I, let's say I know what my talents are and I'm ready to embrace them, but now I'm going to say, gosh, you know, um, this strategic, uh, talent of mine isn't showing up so well in my personal relationship. Right. So is it that I have to change or adjust tone down? I love that word tone down my talent in order to be comfortable in that relationship or how do I, how do I show up as me mm -hmm. even when the expectations are contrary to uh, how I want to be? So I'm hearing two, almost two different conversations in that one question. So one aspect that I'm hearing is as you're using your strategic, whether it's at work or at home or wherever, one of the things to check in is how are you feeling when it's being used? Now, first of all, if, if strategic is a natural talent, you're not, chances are you're not intentionally going, I'm using strategic right now. It's just naturally happening. But yep. it goes back to that, you know, the, ver the very first step in anything is self-awareness, right? Mm -hmm. Observing ourselves. So we need to observe within ourselves, how are we feeling when strategic is being used as, you know, the dominant tool? Okay, it's working well for me at work, but it's hurting me at home. Mm -hmm. How do I, and, and I have this analogy of like, almost like a volume control right? It's almost like an on-off volume control, right? So do yeah. I even use it at all or not? And if I use it to what volume or to what degree do I use it? I can dial it up or I can dial it down. So that's one part of the conversation, which is checking in with ourselves of how do I feel? Do I feel alive? Does this feel good when I'm using it? The other side of the conversation is if we think of each one of these talents as a tool, a tool could be used for good or it can be used as a weapon and sword, whatever. Same thing with your talents. If, if you're using it in a way that's giving you positive results and it's making you feel good, it's not hurting your relationships, that's when you're using a talent towards a strength. But the, you could be using the exact same talent in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people, that's when that exact talent is a weakness. And that's, it goes back to the checking in, how do we feel? Because just because we have a talent doesn't mean that we use it all the time. It's sort of like, if the hammer is the only tool you, you have, everything looks like a nail. Right. Well, it's not the only tool that you have and not everything's a nail, you know? Well, so again, I, I, I was asking about, well, meeting external expectations, but as you describe this, I'm, I shifted my attention back inwardly. And as you were saying for me with strategic, how much strategic talent do I need to have at home? I can, I can go to the nth degree. I, I love having my, my refrigerator organized in a particular way. So I can go right to what I want, pull it out without anything else falling out. I, I could go on and on about all of the things that strategically would really make the household run really smoothly. 
my husband's not strategic at all. Like if it's in the fridge, it's a win. And so I, I think that what I'm hearing you say is, is again, not putting on what does my husband expect for strategic? We don't have those conversations. None of us do. Like, what, how are you using your strategic talent or your ranger talent? We don't have those conversations. And yet um, I'm acting as though we have some agreement on this. I've caught myself a lot of times, like even when I go and do dishes and if, if they're not stacked in the sink, the way that I would like them to be stacked in the sink, it's like, oh, how come he doesn't know how to stack dishes in the sink? It's not about him. It's about me wanting to have dishes stacked in the sink so I can still get water or, or I can still use the sink, right? I have strategy. I have, I have an, a purpose around all of those things. And what I have found is when I get twisted or bent about those things, it really makes no difference. It doesn't matter if the dishes are all over the counter or if they're stacked nicely in the sink. It's just a preference that I have. And well, so what I've really learned is that I can, I don't need to be as strategic as ho at home as I want to be at work. And even at work around strategy, I'm, I'm even kind of dialing it down there too. I find that I, sometimes I don't need strategy to the nth degree. Mm. I love your, your uh, metaphor here of the on off dial button. Cause it, it goes to 11. If it goes to 11, that's what that's how strategic I can be. But that's self-awareness of how much strategy is necessary for me to get what I what I want and need. Yeah, and so there's like so many things going on in my head as you were saying that, but part of it is yes, and and you're not just strategy. Right? Correct. You have these other patterns and maybe you know you're you're seeing strategy look like this in your life somebody else who has strategic strategic as a talent may look completely different in their life because they're mixing it in with other talent themes yeah but um you know you're looking at okay well how does this impact my relationship with my husband mm -hmm. right the other thing is when we look at our dominant talent themes that's part of why I love using Clifton Strengths as that starter tool. I mean, there's so many conversations we can have as, as we're doing right here. And that's where it goes so much in my work is like, th this is just to give us common language to start with. There's so many other things we can talk about. But part of it is to give people a tool where they see where their natural talent lies. So they start to see themselves. They start to see their individuality. They start recognizing their wiring for a couple of reasons. Not only does that become, you know, where the greatest opportunity is for them to live that satisfied life, but at the same time, the more we recognize it within ourselves, the more we can have compassion when we realize, oh, this is super natural to me, but it's not natural to my husband, my partner, my my assistant whatever it is and so we're getting frustrated with people because this is so obvious and it's not right it's really really not that obvious it's obvious to you because you have it dialed up to 11. exactly and 11 is like you are the master i mean you've you've thought every nook and cranny you know uh whereas this person's like it's in the fridge it's not gonna be spoiled <laughs> Exactly. So, so it, 
you know, it, it's also about valuing the wiring you have within yourself, but then also allowing yourself to not get as frustrated or angry. Right. Because we have unrealistic expectations of others. That one piece of just recognizing that this is my preference um, and it's not a requirement um, and that he's not wired that way. So he's not not doing things, you know, to dig at me or annoy me in any way. He's just going on as himself. Right. And so, you know, whether we're talking about personal relationships or, or work relationships, when I know myself better, and as you were saying earlier about bring, being able to be compassionate with myself, now I'm able to empathize with others and recognize this isn't their talent. And so for me to expect my husband to put everything organized the way I do is, is not fair to him. Right. And at the same time, I'm sure that there are talents or strengths about him that you are in awe of, that you're like, oh, I wish I could do that. And, and it's just not natural to you. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It so is, it's, yeah, sorry. No, I, I was just going to build on that, that it is. So what I'm hearing is as I get to know myself and I'm more self-aware, I'm building more compassion for myself, more empathy for others, which now allows me to receive and accept people for who they are, where they are. And I don't feel like I have to change them. And you don't have to control the situation. And I don't have to control the situation. Exactly. So yeah. now, not only are you potentially more comfortable as you show up, they're more comfortable as they show up. And there's that, there's no need of hesitation. And then not only are both people showing up more fully, but then how they collaborate, how they come together could be so much more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I knew that I would grow from this conversation. And you have uh, definitely delivered on that today. Oh, thank you. I know we started out with this like small thing, but I, 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 it does this small conversation between my mom and I, but I think it ties into so much more. It, it did tie to the, you know, individuality and, and the wiring and the ability to be present for ourselves and then for others. Right. And I love that what you're talking about as our wiring is, is perfect for, it's perfectly designed for us to deliver our purpose. Right? I, absolutely. And, and, and again, it's not just our talents. And again, it, you know, it's looking at our interests, our experiences, our beliefs, right? Even the things that we think were these awful situations, you know, whether it's how we grew up, the environment, the community, whatever it is, we got through it. And so we took something from it. We have a perspective that nobody else does. So we can either sit there and be angry about it and propagate it, or we can use it constructively, you know, as we move forward with who we are and what we create. Yeah. And I really want this show to be, this podcast to really be about giving people permission to live into their individuality. 
because I really think that um, we're so conditioned to meet expectations of others. How many times did you hear me ask that question today? Well, what about expectations of others? Right. That's a that's a, a, a consistent theme, I think, that um, kind of plays in the background and that we're always shaping our responses accordingly. And really what I want this show to be about is how do I put that off to the side long enough for me to know who it is that I want to become? Right. But I think it's partially because most of our lives we've been validated by the outside, right? Whether it was a grade, uh, some sort of rating, our bosses, you know, our parents, whatever it was. And so as we're adults, we're still looking for that outside validation. And we, I, I honestly believe it's up to us to seek out seeing those people that the ones that really made a difference in the world. Think about the people who make a difference in your life is because they checked in with themselves. They've developed that system within themselves. Mm-hmm. Thank you for uh, furthering us along this journey. Thank you, Mary, so much. It's always fun to have these in-depth yeah. conversations with you. It, it's it's play. It really is play for a purpose. And I love that. I love it. Thank you so much, not only for this and for what you do in general. Thank you. So where can people find you? Oh, fantastic. Um, best place would be my website. So elviramariechang.com. The other thing is I actually have a YouTube uh, channel that talks about some of these concepts of Clifton Strengths, thinking about it a little bit different, not just your results. Um, so the same thing on, on YouTube, it would be Elvira Marie Chang. That's my, my channel. Beautiful. We'll have those links. and We'll put those in the show description. Thank you for listening. Are you ready to play and experiment with these ideas so that you too can live your purpose, expand your impact and create with ease? Join us at Fully Alive on Facebook. We've created this space to explore the effects these practices and principles can have on your own experience. And if you're feeling the nudge to explore what coaching can do for you, send me an email at mary at bluebambooleadership.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, be fully alive.